morning, everybody. So good to be in Hope Alive. I see some familiar faces. I see faces from my past at College Church. I see faces from family members that I've met in Oklahoma. I see faces from people from my Tuesday night revival services at IHOP. I see faces from Forerunner Church. Some people drove an hour and a half to be here. Can you believe that? Who would drive an hour and a half? Maybe somebody that's hungry for the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Is that okay? I was praying um, last night and drove over here to the parking lot, and the Holy Spirit said, talk about me. He likes being talked about. He's really like a sensitive guy. And he loves to move through his people. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? Now we can talk about him a thousand ways. I want to break it down to something maybe we can get our minds around. Our spirits get it. But it's better when our minds can catch up with our spirits. Um, I don't want to talk about him like fire or wind or oceans or oil or I'd, I'd like to talk about him like a dove. I can get my mind around a dove, right? It's easier. And in John 1, you know, when, he, when John the Baptist baptized him, he came up and the Spirit came down and rested on him and remained on him in the form of like a dove. So I, I can understand a dove. I have doves at my house. Amen? And they're very sensitive. Like if you, they're gone, Right? But if you like, just kind of let them be themselves, they'll they'll hang around and they love and they coo. Like, oh, they they have really loud coos. I like doves. Anybody else like doves? Have you noticed that um, doves have two wings? Seriously, they don't have like four or one big one or three. They have two, and to me, it's a prophetic picture of. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, and the functions of the Spirit. Um, if you Google how many feathers are in a dove's wing, you'll find that there's nine. There's nine bone feathers, feather structures in each wing, nine. Now, nine is a number, biblically, that talks about something that's completed to its full purpose. There's nine Beatitudes. Come on. That's the best sermon Jesus ever taught. And he said, if you want to really be blessed, these nine things will describe you. He could, have, he could have done eight or seven or ten. He used nine. He's really good, too. God's really probably the best preacher of all time. You guys have any emotion? <laughs> if you guys would laugh or nod or say, hurry up, I'd help. It helped me, I promise you. Because I'm just looking for help, okay? Um, and so there's nine fruit of the Spirit. And I want to read that from Galatians 5. I'm not going to focus on the fruit so much as I am the functions, but I do want to run through it just so you understand how profound this 9 is. Um, Galatians chapter 5. Amen. Thanks for letting me come, Danny. Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and that's a singular noun, 
definite article. And if you want to know what that means is if you're, if you're a Christian that has the Spirit of God in you, the fruit of that is love. It's agape. It's not your kind of love. It's his kind of love. And so you can't say, well, I'm just German. That's why I'm stubborn. No, you just need the Spirit. <laughs> Come on. You can't say, well, I have a hot temper because I'm Italian or Irish. No, you just need the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is agape. Come on, man. Quit trying to use your earthly to overtake your heavenly heredity. And so when the Spirit comes in you and takes up residence in you, he produces fruit, which is love. And then there's eight things that define that kind of love. You know, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There's eight things that describe agape. And I'm going to read through those right quick, but that's not what I'm preaching on. This is introduction. Amen. So, so joy is love's strength. Joy is love's strength. Remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8:10. You guys get this? Come on. So, it's a deep, lasting pleasure. It gives you a reason for gladness. It's not temporary. It's like the joy of the Lord gives you strength in the midst of all hell. Come on, everything in the natural can be going the wrong way, and the joy of the Lord bubbles up in you, and you can stand against Satan himself. Are you guys with me? And then patience is love's endurance. Patience is love's endurance. And it's in pain, unhappiness, disappointment, self-restraint before proceeding with an action. Patience, man. It helps love endure. Aren't you glad? You say, well, how long do I got to love? Forever! But patience is what gives you the endurance to do it. Come on, you guys. How, how about this one? Peace is love's security. Peace is love's security. You know, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the atmosphere of where God is. Come on, man. Everybody says, I want to get to a place of peace. Well, Look in your heart. It dwells in you. You guys have emotion. I love it. Peace is love, security, prosperity, to be at rest, freedom from worry and anxiety. Whoa. So where is that? It's in you if you're a Christian. Am I preaching to Christians? Are you Christians? Kindness is love's conduct. Kindness is how love acts. How do you like that? You say, well, why is that guy so mean? Oh, he just, he's, the pastor preached too long. No. If you have the Spirit, you're kind. Somebody say amen. So, it's a quality of being considerate, sympathetic, generosity, benevolent, useful. Amen? Okay. Goodness is love's character. When the fruit of the Spirit is producing love in you, your character is you're a good person. Are you guys happy? The quality of moral excellence, a quality that's not stagnant, but actively working itself out. 
uprightness of heart and life. You know, when your character is good, you don't mess around with things that aren't of good character. You're the same in the dark as you are in the light. You're the same in private as you are in church. Come on, you say, well, I don't know about it. Well, it's, if, you, if you're full of the Spirit, that's what He's producing in you. And by the way, the fruit grows. Like if you got saved and filled with the Spirit 20 years ago, your peace is deeper now than it was 20 years ago. Your patience is way better now. Come on, you guys. You had to learn that one. Come on. Aren't you glad fruit grows? The carpos, it grows, it matures, it ripens, it gets really good. And, and there's, a, there's really a, a prerequisite for not hindering the growth of the fruit, and you've got to let God make your soil pure. You can't have polluted soil. You can't have mixture. You've got to give it all to Jesus. Amen? Okay, let's get, we're almost done with this introduction. Faithfulness is love's confidence. You can be faithful because you know love will never fail. Does that make sense? Faithfulness is love's confidence. It's a persuasion. It's a moral conviction of truth. It's an inward certainty, reliability, dependability. Faithfulness is love's confidence. Gentleness is love's humility. I think the more you follow Jesus, the more humble you become. Would you guys agree with that? In the Old Testament, the most humble guy was Moses. And in the world history, the most humble person was Jesus. And they're the most powerful people. Come on. So the more you follow Jesus, the more you walk in the Spirit, the more you keep growing in your faith, come on, the more humble you become. And humility, come on, gentleness is love's humility. So consistent temperament in all times. Meekness of the soul. Listen to this. You don't elevate like a thermometer, but you're more like a thermostat. That was really good. Come on, wasn't that awesome? I got goosebumps on that one. Come on. Gentleness is love's humility. And when you're gentle, and, and when you're gentle, come on, situations don't make you heat up or cool down. Your gentleness actually affects the climate of the room you're in. And, and then last but not least is self-control. Self-control is love's victory. Self-control is love's victory. Come on, somebody say amen. Is that awesome? And so in control, the trait of controlling one's own desires and actions. Don't say, I can't help it. It got the best. No, let love grow. Self-control is the trait of controlling one's own desires and actions. The virtue of one who masters their desires and passions, especially their appetites. Whoa. That's the introduction. I'm going to preach from 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to preach about the other wing. That's the wing that's the fruit. Was that good? I'm not letting you go home yet. I got to earn my keep, man. 
that was uh, this wing, the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to really focus on the functions of the Holy Spirit, right? This wing that I just went over would be the Word, but I really want to focus on the Spirit. This wing would be the purity, but I really want to focus on the power. Come on. This ring would, wing would be the holiness, but I want to focus on healing. Come on. This wing would be doctrine, but I want to focus on display. And you have to have both wings. If you have one wing, a, a bird cannot fly with one wing. Either that or it flies in a circle like a helicopter. Like, brrr, just spins, but you can't. So we need to embrace the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you guys a heads up. I know you're charismatic because your pastor prayed in tongues the whole time um, before the service. So I know you're charismatic, but I, I, I got to give you, a, I, hope it's not, I hope it's not a downer. There's no charismatic version of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> There's no Baptist version of the Holy Spirit. There's no IHOP version. There's no Nazarene version. There's just like the only version of the Holy Spirit that you can have is the Holy Spirit's version of the Holy Spirit. You guys okay? I, pastor said I couldn't take a love offering, so I can say whatever I want this morning. <laughs> I'm not worried about offending you. The Holy Spirit does a good job of that sometimes. <laughs> come on. But I just want you to know we need to embrace the Holy Spirit as he wants to come. And you can't have only one wing that you're comfortable with. If you want the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have to take it all. You can't chop off part of the wings. You can't say, well, I want the joy and the peace, but I don't want the self You can't chop the wing. Either you let him have total dominion and jurisdiction over your life so he can place the sole of his feet on your heart and set up his house and make you his temple on legs, or you don't get him. Because he'll only come where you let him come in his fullness, so he's at home being at home in you. Is everybody happy so far? So I'm going to go through what this would look like if the body of Christ allowed the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. Would that be good? And this is predominantly about this wing. Um, yeah. That's enough on that. Good. So it says, now concerning spiritual brethren. Now, this wing is the pneumaticus wing. The word spiritual is the word pneumaticus. It's a compound word, obviously, where pneuma is the first part, which is the breath of God. Modicus is the implement or the instrument or the weapon that the breath blows through and it manufactures functions that only the Holy Spirit can do. Are you guys with me? This is very important, you guys. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should desire love, but pursue pneumaticus. So if your desire is agape, that's this wing. That builds an atmosphere. The character of Christ Builds an atmosphere. This is the way I look at it. When I was out here praying last night in your parking lot, I see the beautiful atmosphere, the trees, the green grass, right? The, the fruit of the Spirit develops trust and confidence when you're around a person that's operating in the fruit of the Spirit. So when a function breaks in, you're not afraid of it. Like when I go to the Tetons, my wife and I have been there 20 times. It's our favorite spot. The mountains, the trees, the rivers, the grass, 
the smells, the flowers. That would be like this wing. So you expect to see moose and antelope and, and all kinds of wildlife. Those are like when supernatural things come in. Well, our lives should be so joyful and peaceful and patient and kind that when the Holy Spirit breaks in in power, people aren't freaked out. They embrace it because they know they can trust it. That's why we have to have both wings operating. Are you guys with me? So, so it says, now concerning the pneumaticus, brethren, your Bible will say gifts, but it's not in the original language. It's not in the original text. Gifts isn't there. Paul's talking about concerning the supernatural aspects of what I want to do through you. I want to blow through you. Remember in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, I wanted to address you as spiritual. That's pneumaticus. I want to address you as supernatural beings possessed and sourced by the Spirit of God, but you're fleshly. That's sourced by the flesh. That means you react to circumstances instead of react to his impulse. That's the difference in a church that's like Christ and not. A church that settles for forms of godliness with no power is a church that's fleshly instead of supernatural. Are you guys with me? Are you good so far? So my examples of pneumaticus would be a pneumatic wrench. Like if you get a flat tire, when you go to the garage, they pick up that little silver-looking nickel gun, and there's a hose hooked up to it. And it goes, you remember? Unhook the hose, what's it do? We can't do any of these functions unless the Spirit's allowed to blow through us like he wants to. And there's nine functions. Isn't that interesting? There's nine fruit. There's nine functions because the wings aren't out of balance. See, the beauty of the analogy of the dove is both wings lead to a body. And if we allow both wings to function like the Holy Spirit wants to, it'll produce the life of Christ in us. And our body will be the life of Christ that's, that's growing these wings. Yeah, this is awesome. Miracles are going to happen today. I'm just happy yeah, you guys don't even know what's going to hit you. It's going to be amazing. And it's not because of Dan. It's because of the Holy Ghost. He's really good. Come on. So now concerning the pneumaticus, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. So who is the supernatural for? Us. Who is brethren? The, the body, the believers, the family, the bride. That's us. It's not gender. It's not just men. It's us. Are you with me? So you should know that supernatural is available. Are you with me? Okay, so you know when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. So here we get a clue of why he's telling this church that had all these gifts that they supposedly were functioning in wrongly. They weren't really aware of the supernatural that was available to them because they had idols in their lives. We should only have one idol. So what keeps us from operating in the supernatural, the, the spiritual, the pneumaticus? What keeps us from that? Most of the time it's we have other things that we give allegiance to and worship to and everything to other than Jesus. So here's my simplest definition of an idol. 
anything that you think you need to be happy or satisfied besides Jesus as an idol. Whoa. Do you think there's any idols in Johnson County? There's only a few in Kansas City, right? Chiefs. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I love them. Don't you love them? I love Patrick Mahomes. How'd we get him? Don't you love it? But there could be an idol. You know, in this Corinthian church, there was over 30,000 idols. We have a lot, too. We think we need retirement. We think we need certain status. We think we need certain approval. And that's what keeps us from understanding what's ours as brethren. Let's need one thing, Jesus. And then he'll start letting us know what's available to us. Amen? So there's mute idols. And then, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, that, what's that verse there for? Let me tell you my take on that verse. There's a difference between Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord. If you're going to know the supernatural things that the Spirit wants to do through you, he's got to be your Lord, not just your Savior. A Savior is one who forgives you and gives you eternal life and heals you. That's what a Savior does. Come on. He redeems you. A Lord is one who reigns supremely over every area of your life, and it's no longer your life. You gave it all to him. Come on. If you look up in the Strong's Concordance, there's a, a half of a page that have verses about Jesus as Savior. There's seven pages that have verses about Jesus as Lord. He wants to have everything. And then you'll say, Jesus is Lord. Amen? Okay, so verse 4. Now there's varieties of gifts, but one spirit. And that word spirit is pneuma, right? So there's varieties of gifts, but one spirit, pneuma. Huh. There's varieties of ministries, but and the same Lord. That's Jesus. That's curios. That's Jesus. But check this out. There's varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. That's the word theos for Father God. So we have the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father that are working together to get us to understand all these supernatural functions that the Holy Spirit wants to blow through us whenever he will if he becomes our Lord and we're not trying to manage him, but we let him manage us. Are you guys happy so far? Now I want to focus on this one little word, effects, here. Because this is, a, this, is the, this is what happens that divides the body. Effects are how you're affected when the Spirit touches you. I was raised in a church where when the Spirit touches you, you raise a hand or you cry. Then I got around some people when the Spirit touches them, they get goosebumps or they fall down. Then I got around some people where when they get touched, they, wa they wave flags. I almost got hit in the eye once when somebody was doing it. Then I got around people when they get touched, they speak in tongues. And then I got, whatever, they run. And everybody's affected differently. And when you are only comfortable being in a room where everybody's affected the same way, that's what divides the church. What if we stopped worrying about how we're affected and just want the Holy Spirit to affect us all the way he wants to? Come on. 
What, what if we stop worrying? Well, I don't, I, want, I don't want to be with the tongues. I don't want to be with the ones who fall. I don't want to be with the fanaticals that run and wave hands. No! What if we stop looking at how they're affected and keep our eyes on the one that's touching them? I tell you what, how people get affected are what gets you in trouble. That's what gets me in trouble. I mean, sometimes I'll touch somebody and they'll fall down and hit their head on the ground and people get mad at me. Why are you knocking people over? I've never knocked anybody over. But why are they falling down? Where's that in the Bible? I, I, I don't even want to argue. I don't have an answer. My answer is they can't stand up. That's all I can tell you. You just draw your own conclusions. So let's just keep going. There's varieties of effects. Okay. Okay. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's an important verse, you guys. When the manifestation of the Spirit comes on you, this wing, the functions of the Spirit, it's not for you only. It's so that everybody in the body can be built up and made more like Jesus. And so if someone says they're operating in spiritual things, but it's dividing the body, it's not the right spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit's the one manifesting, it's never for the profit of one. It's always for the profit of all. Amen? And then he goes into these nine functions he says for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit unto another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit unto another faith by the same spirit unto another gifts of healing by one spirit unto another effecting of miracles unto another prophecy unto another distinguishing of spirits unto another various kinds of tongues unto another interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing them to each one individually just as he wills so whether you know it or not, if you're filled with the Spirit, all nine of those functions could happen in you at any moment because it's as He wills, not as you will. Yay. Well, I don't like that. I don't know if I want all that wing. Sorry. We don't have the right to chop the wing up. We need to let him come and be himself and be at home in us. Are you with me, church? Let's just break down these nine functions. Now, some people say, well, wait a minute. I thought just certain people had these. Well, I know in Ephesians 4, there's five different gifts given as offices to help build the body up for the work of the ministry so we can all grow to the full measure of the stature of the man Christ Jesus and apostles, prophets, evangelists. I don't want to go into those. Or Romans has a list of gifts that people get that God lets them specialize in those gifts, like hospitality, encouragement, you know, you get it. The, you don't have to be a Christian to get those. Everybody's got those. And they're irrevocable. <laughs> like, once he gives it to you, you're not an Indian giver. So you can be on fire for God and use it and be on fire for the devil and still use it because he gave it to you. I'm not talking about those gifts for service. I'm talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit and what he does. That's the difference between this passage. This is not your gifts. This is if you get the gift of his spirit, they're what he does. It's his nine functions. 
Are you with me? So let's, the first one says, to one um, is the word of wisdom. Aren't you glad that's the first one? Come on. Wisdom, what is it? Divine truth. It's not man's truth. It's not man's wisdom. It's truth. What does truth do? It sets us free. Aren't you glad truth sets us free? In the old covenant, remember in, in, in uh, Proverbs, in all you're getting, get wisdom. You had to go for it. In the new covenant, if you just get the spirit, he's full of wisdom. And at any moment, boom, a truth bomb goes off. And you're set free from something you didn't know you had an answer for. Come on. Aren't you glad that if you let the Holy Spirit be at home in you and on you and around you, come on, that at any moment, wisdom rises up. And it's the foundation for everything. Wisdom. Amen. And then it says, and to another, words of knowledge. I love, I'm going to make these the simplest definitions as I can. Isn't it appropriate for me to talk about Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday? Don't we need a new Pentecost? What, what would it look like at Hope Alive if the fire of God came in here and it sounded like a rushing mighty wind and all of a sudden you guys were just wrecked? I wouldn't have to ask you if you have emotion. Come on, think about it. People would look at you, are you drunk? No, it's just 11 o'clock. <laughs> Come on. I want it. I want a new Pentecost so that we're madly in love with Jesus and we can't help but love people. And we have no fear because perfect love got rid of all of it. And we just go with the impressions of God. And we give him expression through our lives of obedient faith. Come on. We need a new Pentecost. I'm screaming. I don't want to scream. That's not in the list. <laughs> Was that flesh? No, I'm, I'm, I'm motivated by love. So, wisdom. And to another word, okay, word of knowledge. That's when God gives you knowledge that you didn't have. And it's usually a solution to someone's problem. I mean, who needs that? I think words of knowledge come to moms who have little babies. And they know how to handle, how do I do this and get dinner ready and get the diapers and, and God gives you knowledge or business people. And they get insights or a sickness or a disease. I mean, don't you think that's amazing that the Holy Spirit's function is to give you knowledge to solve people's problems? Do we need that more? Amen. And then it says, and to another... Um, faith. Now that's God faith. That's not faith in God. That's like when God says, I'm going to give you some of mine. <laughs> that's when stuff happens, man. <laughs> Whoa! Come on, man. Let it be done to you according to your lack of faith. Where's that verse? <laughs> Aren't you glad that when the Holy Spirit's made to be at home, that he can give you some of his faith? And do you notice the sequence? It's built on wisdom and truth. And then God gives you knowledge that brings cures and solutions to what you're dealing with. And because of the word of knowledge, it's a specially personalized little handwritten note that I know exactly where you're at and what you're facing. The gift of faith arises. And then the next one, gifts of healings. Well, it's easy to get healed when you got God faith. 
Don't you love the sequence, you guys? And healings is plural. It, it's, it's actually a plural to where nobody has a gift of healing. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit's function that brings healings. The only person that ever operated with the true gift of healing was Jesus. Because he never had to worry about his heart being divided or his memories catching up with him or whatever. He, he set a standard that we're all supposed to go after, but he did have some advantages. He never sinned. That's why I believe in this wing. We got to have holiness. How are we going to have healing if we have a bunch of junk? Am I right? So, um, gifts of healings. And I think we need more of them. So, is the answer more Holy Spirit or less? Amen. Here we go. Let's keep going. Gifts of healing. And to another, affecting of miracles. Now, a healing, most of the time, is like process. In fact, 80% of the time healings used in the New Testament is the word therapeo. It's a process of therapy. But miracles are when they happen instantly. We need more of those. I mean, eyes are opened. Right? Okay. Miracles. And then prophecy. And to another, propheteo. This is cool. There's five different ways that manifests in the Bible. If you tell the future, that's one of the Old Testament ways it manifests. If you, if you, if you future tell and you're wrong, I don't want to sit by you in the lightning storm. <laughs> so you better be right on that one. I mean, if you're going to predict something, say this is the word of the Lord and it's wrong, that's false prophet. And I don't want to go through all those verses because you wouldn't be happy. <laughs> Come on, you guys. You say, well, do you like the Bible? You have no idea. I love the Bible. I don't have any opinions that have been formed outside of its opinion. Oh, should I say this? You'll know my heart. I read the Bible every 20, 21 days for 12 years. And every time I read it, it says, it says the same thing. <laughs> Yay. It doesn't change. Regardless of the culture, regardless of who's in office, regardless of my circumstances, it just stays the same. You want eternal life? I get that eternal word in you. Because it's never going away. We get a new heaven and a new earth, we don't get a new word. You guys happy? Smile at me. I can't really see you. I feel like I'm in the Damascus Road experience right now. <laughs> Blinded by the light. I, that's what I feel like. But anyway. Um, okay. So... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, gifts of prophecy. So one of them is future telling, but one of them is really um, telling people to keep the faith, to keep pursuing, to keep speaking hope. That's a good one. 
But in the New Testament, there's three manifestations of exhortation, edification, and encouragement. In other words, prophetia is this. The simplest definition of prophecy is you're able to hear what he's saying so you can say what he's saying. You're able to hear what he's saying so you can say what you're hearing. And true prophecy should always lead to an encounter or a manifestation of the man Christ Jesus. Revelation 19.10, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. In other words, the essence of this manifestation of the spirit is the making known of the man Christ Jesus. Are you with me? Okay, so prophecy. And to another, distinguishing of spirits. This is discernment. Now, this is not discernment. You need to do this because God told me. That would be tree growing out of your eye. <laughs> Get your own tree gone first. Then, then, then when your eye's healing, you'll see people the way God sees them. Come on. So, so here, here's, here's, here's discernment. It's when God supernaturally gives you the ability to take a snapshot of where someone's at spiritually so you actually know how to pray rightly for them. Don't we need that? I mean, everybody prays over symptoms all the time, but we don't ever pray why the symptoms are there. And if, and if discerning of spirits would, would be used more in the body, then we wouldn't pray wasteful prayers. We would pray prayers that uproot the problem because we would actually know what to pray for. So it's not judgmental. When you operate in discerning of spirits, it doesn't make you prideful. It actually humbles you more. Because you realize how much people need Jesus. And it doesn't puff you up. It breaks your heart. Come on, man. So discerning the spirits is the supernatural ability where God gives you the ability to see from his perspective in a person situation, a people situation, a region. It's unlimited. And then it says, and to another, different kinds of tongues. Don't you wish it just said, and to another, a prayer language. It's not in there. Whoa. Everybody's looking in their Bibles now. It's the first time I've seen you look at your Bibles all morning. <laughs> it says, and to another, various kinds of tongues. I found four kinds in the Bible. Uh, the first one would be the Acts tongues, where they could speak different languages. So that could be one of the functions of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, you could speak Chinese. Or Israeli, you know, Hebrew, whatever. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, I'd like to be able to speak Hope Alive language this morning so you guys would, like, act happier. I wish I had your language. No, I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, one of the functions of various kinds of tongues in the Bible is languages. Aren't you glad that's one of the functions? One of the functions that the Bible talks about tongues would be angelic tongues. I studied that, you guys. I've studied all these words, like for months. I've studied every word. And all I can come up with on angelic tongues, it's how, it's how angels communicate with each other. That's why they're called angelic tongues. I'm not trying to be funny. And, and then there's a prayer language tongue, where your spirit prays in communion with God, and your spirit's edified. That's a good tongue. Aren't you glad? But then there's the 
Mark 16, new tongues. It's like, that's one of the signs that sticks to you like a parasite. I'm not making this stuff up. Come on. These signs will follow those who believe. Will follow is the word paracolutheo. The prefix is para, where you get parasite. So if you're a believer and you're willing to preach the gospel, these signs will stick to you. You don't look for signs. They'll stick to you. And one of them is you'll speak new. You'll have a new language. Well, kainos glossae, new tongues, there's nine news in the New Testament. New creature, new heaven, new earth, new song, new wine. Kainos has to do with new in substance. Not something you learn, not something you do, it's something you become. So what does that mean, Dan? Explain it. I'm trying to. If, if you're a believer that's willing to do whatever the Holy Spirit's sourcing you to do, one of, the, one of the functions should be he could give you a new language where you no longer sound like everybody else, you sound like Jesus. In other words, you talk hope when everybody's discouraged. You don't fight on the way to church, you bless the Lord. Come on. You don't talk one way at home and another way at work with the guys. You don't talk one way at church and another way at home with your spouse. Your mouth speaks grace, hope, love, faith, encouragement. And people listen to you and they say, what, what's wrong with you? What do you mean? You sound like Jesus. Well, he filled me. He lives in me. He's talking. Come on. And then you'd have this 1 Peter 3 reason to give a hope that lies within you with all meekness and humility because your language gave you away. That's the sign. Whoa. You want the definition of glossae, glossolalia? You want the definition? I studied it. It's a supernatural ability given to you from God to articulate a song, a prayer, or a message in a way that you didn't come up with. It starts from God's heart, it flows through your heart, and it touches God's heart and others' hearts. Now, if you're not in one of those four things that the Bible specifically talks about, tongues, that's why it says various kinds. Don't limit the Holy Spirit to your culture. Let's let him yank us out of our cultures and get us into his kingdom culture where he can be at home. I'm preaching the truth, you guys. So, so if, it's, if it's a supernatural ability given to us from God to articulate a song, a message, or a prayer in a way that we don't come up with. It originates with God, and we agree with God, and we just let it flow through us, right? If that's the definition, then anything could actually be a gift of glossé. Like if God this morning tells me, give Pastor Danny a $1,000. Or, or 10000 Don't care. If he told me, I'd do it. Now, that wouldn't just be a message from my bank account to his. It would actually be a message from God to his heart saying, see, I knew right where you were at. You just needed to know it. That could be a gift of tongues. I've never preached one message in my life. I've been in 1,200 meetings in 12 years. I've not preached one message where people don't come up to me and say, you were preaching to me. 
I don't preach to anybody. God takes the word that's fire. He divides it into individual flaming messages, and he talks to each person in a language that they need to hear that I didn't come up with. I'm just obedient to say whatever the Spirit impresses me to say. That's a kind of tongues, too. <laughs> you didn't know there was various kinds, did you? <laughs> I like all of them as long as he's the one doing them in me. You guys happy? Let me know it, please. Smile. Let me see your dentures. Let me see you. Um, and then it says interpretation of tongues. And if the tongue's released, you know, if I'm like I'm propheting right now, I'm, I'm speaking what the Spirit's saying. So that's prophecy. I'm hearing and saying it. Well, then it becomes tongues because it's individually you're all hearing what God needs you to hear. And then interpretation comes and tells you what to do with it. Either repent or give an offering or tell that person you're sorry or whatever. I mean, the Spirit interprets what the message wants you to do. Aren't you glad that he does all these functions? Is that awesome? So, let me give you examples of how these work. Um, I think I'm done preaching. I'll tell us a couple stories, and then we'll just believe that the Holy Spirit can freshly baptize everybody in the room. That'd be awesome. So several years ago, I was in Springfield. And I want to tell you that if you'll notice between all nine functions, there's this phrase that says, and to another. And to another. Word of knowledge. And to another, faith. And to another, gifts of healings. It's an interesting phrase. It has two meanings. The first meaning is that when one of those functions happens, the other ones are supporting it. In other words, if I get a word of knowledge, it's because I got a discerning, and then I got faith to say it, and then there's a prophetic utterance that was working with, so they all work and to another. Are you with me? In other words, there's not one of them that operates by itself. If it's the function of the Spirit, he has nine feathers, nine bones. They all support each other. That's why it's one wing. But it also means if one of the manifestations touches like a person, that person could be energized by the pneumaticus and touch the person next to them, and they could receive something from the Spirit, and that person could touch the person next to them, and, and to another, the Spirit's moving through the body, making us one in the Spirit. And it's always for the profit of all. You with me? Okay, so let me give you examples. I was in Springfield, Missouri at Nixon Nazarene Church. There were 600 people there. There were seven churches represented. I was preaching on Elijah and finishing the sacrifice so the fire can fall. I remember what I was preaching on. And all of a sudden the Lord says, somebody over there's arms being healed. Say it. I didn't want to say it. I remember saying, my name is Danny. I'm not Benny. I remember saying that. It's like, I'm not Benny Hinn. I'm Danny Bohai. I'm a Nazarene. I don't do that. And something happened to me that's never happened before or since. He confused me where I didn't know what to say. So I'm standing in front of 600 people Sunday night. We've been in all these churches all week long, and we ended up there together to finish. And the Lord's telling me, 
somebody over there is being healed right now in their arms, say it, and I'm trying to ignore him, and he made it so I couldn't talk. I never don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, God helps me. He helps me. And so I'm going, oh, no. And I'm, I, I can't say that. I mean, so about five minutes goes by. I'm like stumbling. I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to close the service. I don't know what to do. So I said, well, about five minutes ago, I got to say this so I can finish the sermon. Obviously, God's not going to let me talk. About five minutes ago, he told me somebody over here's arm was being healed, but I was afraid to say it. And a lady stood up crying. And she goes, it's me. I go, it is? (laughs) That's what I said. It is? And she goes, it's me. I was on a mission trip, a work and witness trip in South America a couple weeks ago, and I fell, and I hurt my arm and my nerve damage, and it's hurting bad, and I got to go in in two days to the doctor. He's got to try to figure out what kind of surgery I need. And about five minutes ago, I felt this tingling warmth going through my arm, and now it doesn't hurt. So when she said that, the, the altars rushed with hundreds of people. Because remember, it's for the profit of all. I got a discernment, and then I finally worked up the faith to release the prophetic word and the word of knowledge, and it released a manifestation in her where she was able to tell what the Lord was doing in her life, and then her confession unleashed a spirit of repentance on the whole crowd. And remember, it's always for the profit of all. And that night, I got a, oh, that next week, I got a letter from Pastor Steve Prophet, who kind of organized the whole gathering. He works on the campus there of Missouri Southern University as a, they call it the Potter's House. Anyway, he said in that service, he got testimonies of 75 people getting born again, 200 people baptized in the spirit, and 37 people were healed physically. And all I did was say what I heard five minutes earlier. One, one of the testimonies he told me was a lady, a lady had had open heart surgery and, the, and it never healed. It, it, it didn't, the bones didn't mesh back. And so she had to keep staples in months later. And in that service, she felt fire going through it, and she was instantly, her bones instantly fused in her chest. That was one of the 37. I think we need more of the functions of the Holy Spirit. So that's one example. Another example, when God first started giving me the revelation on this on this chapter 12 of what's missing. And when I say what's missing is, If these are the things that only the Holy Spirit can do, then if they're not happening in our gatherings, where is he? Am I right? I mean, these are the functions that he does. Not us. They're not our gifts. They're him. He's the gift. Come on, are you with me? So I go to some charismatic churches and I hear one, one of the functions, right? I hear tongues. But where's the other eight? Or I'll go to other churches and I'll hear one, you know, there's a prophecy or a gift of faith, you know. But where's, where's the body that allows Holy Spirit to be so at home that he can just manifest any way he wants all the time? That's what I want to be a part of, don't you guys? Doesn't this seem so reasonable? So I'm in Orange, Texas, 
this is when the Lord started telling me about this chapter. And I remember, I'm Nazarene. You guys don't even understand what that means, maybe. I'm, when I say Nazarene, I'm, I'm really trying to be like the Nazarene. That's my goal. But I'm a member of the Nazarene denomination, but they never told me to read 1 Corinthians 12 or 14. They said, focus on 13. So I had to dig this out myself because I'm hungry for the whole word. I can't just tear pages out if I'm not comfortable. So I'm in Orange, Texas, and I'm, I'm touring a district with Dr. Dwayne Schrader. He was a missionary in Africa, and then he became a DS in southern Texas. And he had me going to all of his churches for like three weeks or whatever, a month. So I'm in Orange, Texas, and there's 300 people there. There's 10 churches there on this district um, little zone. And I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit. I remember this is, um, this is back in 2010. This is when the Lord first started talking to me about this chapter. And by the way, this message I'm preaching to you is what's caused me so much controversy. Because I actually believe it. <laughs> if you start believing that you could try to be like Jesus, you will have some controversy. <laughs> Yay. How blessed do you want to be? <laughs> How blessed are those who are persecuted? Come on. Okay, so I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden I see a lid. It's like five-eighths inch plexiglass, and nothing's going to happen. And God says, tell them. I'm a year and a half into my ministry. I'm trying to build a ministry. I'm trying to have a full slate. You don't tell 10 pastors in the DS, there's a lid. We might as well go home. How do you pull that off? You get it? These stories are fun years later. They're not fun going through them, man. <laughs> and, and so I, I remember I tried to ignore him. You know, how many times we try to ignore those impulses? And a miracle is just waiting for us to let the impulse have expression by a risky step of obedience. But we said, no, that's, is that you, God? Well, it wasn't you. You weren't thinking about it. So I'm trying to ignore this. I can't tell the, I can't say there's a lid. And the Holy Spirit's just telling me, I thought you were all in. I am, but there's no buts in all in. Are you guys with me? So I said it. I said, well, nothing's going to happen. We might as well go home. The place is packed, you guys. I mean, it's a sanctuary, a little, maybe half getting bigger than this, and every seat's full. And I say, nothing's going to happen. We might as well go home. I might as well go with Dr. Schrader to Whataburger because he always got a Whataburger, small fry, and a senior coffee. Every time we went out after church, that's what he got. And I said, I might as well get my burger with Whataburger with Dr. Schrader because nothing's going to happen because there's a lid here. I said it, and it was like quiet, like, like a pin, thing. I mean, it was quiet. I'm sweating. I mean, there's sweat running down my back like, Lord, what do I do? And I'm just looking. And all of a sudden, a lady stood up and says, it's my fault. And I went, it is? It is. 
I didn't know what to say. I said, it is. She was over here. And inside I was going, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm not stupid. I'm not cuckoo. I heard. And this lady, I said, what'd you do? I said to that, what'd you do? She led worship that night. She sang her three songs. And she stood up and she goes, it's my fault. And I said, what did you do? And she said, I knew we were going to have this gathering with our zone churches. And I knew all of you would be here. And, and I wasn't really concerned about what the Holy Spirit wanted me to sing. I was more concerned about how I would sound and how you guys would receive it and how it would look. And I need to repent. She said that in front of everybody. Now, I want to explain and to another. I had a discerning of spirits, right? And then I had the gift of faith rise up where it finally gave me courage to release the word. So they're working and to another in me. All those functions are alive in me. Then it pierced one lady's heart and her public repentance. Uh, Dr. Schrader said out of the 300, 200 of them tried to rush the altar as soon as she said it. He put out the praise report. It was a half-round sanctuary with you know aisles like that. And I remember when they started running, I tried to run and get behind the pulpit. I didn't know what was going to happen. Literally, they started running. <laughs> and when I looked up, they were all laying on their, they weren't kneeling. They were all laying on their bellies. Every aisle was filled all the way to the bank. of the, And there were people that couldn't get in the aisles. And everybody was moaning, weeping, repenting for religious spirits that they were satisfied just to come and rub shoulders with their peers. But nobody was desperate for the spirit to pour out. I could hear it all over the room, you guys. And then one by one, they started getting up, going back to their seats. And I remember, I'll never forget, it's just like, it's just like today, I remember the Holy Spirit said, go pray for that lady. And there was a lady over here on the front row. And I remember I, I walked over to her. She was in her late 20s. And I said, can I pray for you? She goes, please. So she stood up and I grabbed her hands and I prayed that God would heal her and she fell on the ground. Now remember there's different effects. This is a Nazarene meeting. You guys get it? And so I was afraid that I'm getting in trouble because I don't know what's going on here. This is, this is 11 years ago. And so I, I didn't let go of her arms. She's laying there dangling. I'm holding onto her arms. <laughs> And the district superintendent sitting over here, and I love him, you guys. He's a spirit-filled guy, but this is new. You get it? And I'm trying to hold her up, and I'm afraid that I'm, I don't want to get in trouble. So I finally picked her back up and set her down. <laughs> and I watched her turn around and touch the lady behind her. I'm trying to explain end to another. This lady who fell down touched the lady behind her. The lady behind her was a lady in her 60s who was the secretary of that host church who had just had back surgery. I think she was 65. When she touched her, this lady started bending over, touching her toes, saying, oh, my God, God just healed my back. That's a different effect than falling. And to another then that lady turned around and touched the couple behind them that were filing for divorce. And God healed their marriage. Because I went back to the church two and a half years later and they told me the story about how God healed their marriage. It started that night when the secretary touched them. A different effect. Falling 
warmth, healing, restoration of a marriage. And I watched all through the room. People just start touching. It was the most beautiful thing. And to another, they became one body. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I learned a lesson that corporate repentance brings corporate anointing. If everybody wants to get right with God, the open heaven is as big as everybody. Every one of you that's right with God individually has an open heaven, but it's just the size of you. That's why in the upper room, they all were filled. Wasn't 90% of them. Wasn't 99%. That's why in Acts 28, when Paul lit the fire and the snake came out, if everybody, we're all branches, if we would all be on fire, the snakes couldn't hide in the church anymore. <laughs> they, they couldn't be comfortable setting in the sanctuary if we all were on fire. Are you getting this? So I'm watching this. I don't have a language, you guys. This is back when God's had me studying this chapter, and then he always shows me visuals, visuals to back up what my spirit's being told by the book. And I look over, there's a guy on the front row, and the Lord says he has four arrows in his back. Go pull them out. And I went, that's insane. <laughs> there's no way. And God says, go do it. You see what I'm doing? I was amazed at what he was doing. Because, by the way, when everybody hit the altars, the lid disappeared. Obviously. So I go over to this guy, and I said, I feel like I'm supposed to pull four arrows out of your back. They're sticking in your heart. And he starts crying. I said, does that mean something to you? He goes, you have no idea. I said, well, elaborate. <laughs> he said he was a pastor in um, Port Arthur Nazarene Church which is about maybe a little ways away from Orange, Texas. And he said, a couple weeks ago, I was preaching, and 40 people got up and walked out of my church while I was preaching. And it's like Satan jabbed arrows of fear in my heart in the back, and I've never been able to get over it in the last couple weeks until you just said that, and now I feel like he's with me. It's amazing, you guys. So that service went on four or five hours, right? And so the next night, I was in... Lake Houston, Nazarene. God didn't have me preach on the Holy Spirit. He had to preach a different message. And I said, who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I, the whole crowd came forward. <laughs> the whole crowd. And then they went and sat down, and I got a word of knowledge for 26 people that were going to be healed of depression. Out of a crowd of 300. 26. If you come up here, you'll be healed. And I watched them line up. And we counted them. Dr. Schrader counted them. There was 26. And the 26th person that came up was the worship pastor lady at Conroe Church of the Nazarene, a suburb north of Houston. I found out about her a year and a half later when I was in their church, and she said, I was number 26 that night. My whole life I've had bipolar manic depression, and when I walked up there, it was instantly taken away. Now, that wouldn't be my word. That would be a function of the Holy Spirit, word of knowledge, word. So I prayed for these 26, and then I was going with Dr. Schrader to get my Whataburger. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. He's buying. I'm going with him. So 
we're, we're walking out of the sanctuary, and there's a lady on the front row, and the Holy Spirit says to me, I want you to pray for her. So I said, can I pray for you? And she goes, I knew you were going to pray for me. And I said, how did you know? And she goes, you remember that girl last night that you prayed for on the front row that fell down? I go, how did you know that? That was my daughter. And my daughter has real bad fibromyalgia, and she hadn't been able to sleep at night for two years. And after you prayed for her, she slept all night last night, and she has no pain. And she called me on the phone and said, Mama, God healed me last night. If you just get ready, he's going to heal you tonight. Now that's, now that's a gift of giving the gift of faith and to another. Are you with me? So I've got a lady here. I pray for her. There's no effects. You don't need to have an effect to get healed. You don't need to feel a goosebump. You don't need to feel heat. You don't need to fall. You don't need anything. You, you just need to believe. One of the ways the effects are different is you're not affected. Are you guys getting this? So I prayed for her. So 10 days goes by. I'm in Abilene, Texas with Dr. Charles Jones, which is my friend Corey Jones and Dallas's daddy. He was the DS at the time. He's retired now. And this lady called me. She goes, Brother Dan, yeah. I was, in the, I was in the lobby drinking coffee with Dr. Jones. This lady called me 10 days later. I'm the lady that said I knew you were going to pray for me. My name is Pam. I was a missionary in the Ivory Coast for years. I developed lupus. I have real bad pain. I can't walk. I have headaches. I'm constantly shaking. I'd had it for 18 years. That night when you prayed for me, God healed me. And not only can I walk, I've been running three miles a day the last 10 days. I just wanted you to know. So here's my opinion. This is my opinion. If we wouldn't stop and to another... What would the ripple effects be of this body? It would touch the globe. What stops the movement of the spirit? Fear, right? Insecurity, doubt, lack of faith, losing our first love. I mean, there's lots of things, right? Sin, sin's a damper. <laughs> it's like it shuts stuff off. Come on, God's not short-armed. You, you, you know, Isaiah 59, my arms aren't short. I'm not powerless. It's your sin's the problem. You guys get it. When I take my kids out to eat, they all have alligator arms. Have you ever noticed that? Because I'll get the bill. You, you guys get it, right? Anyway, um, sin stops the spirit. But my desire on Pentecost Sunday is that we all would receive a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Father's heart. So the fruit could grow without us blocking it, but the functions could start flowing, and we wouldn't feel weird. We would know it's normal family business. Amen. Amen.